Willie, thanks for coming on. You are about to embark this coming uh, summer paddling season in the wilderness on a pretty big project in the Boundary Waters. Let's start there. What's ahead for you in regards to the work you'll be doing this season? Yeah, I'm really, really thrilled for this project. It's been, uh, you know, a couple of years in the making here, um, but really thrilled to be heading in to introduce a new type of construction into the boundary waters um, in doing so and repairing a couple of portages. Um, one of them is uh, in the one I'm really excited about and will definitely be in the public eyes, uh, Duncan DeRose Portage. It's got a hundred and about 130 wooden steps on it that have been replaced about three times now in the past 30 years. And we're going to go in and replace those wooden steps with on-site native stone, which is just awesome. Like I'm a, I'm a rock person. I enjoy working with rock because it lasts the longest. It's just like, it's been there for like millions of years before I had the opportunity to get my hands on it. So, and it will last there, you know, for generations, you know, you know, sure there could be some big, like, you know, nature disaster or something like that, that like dislodges it, but really like this should be there for like many generations, you know, hopefully my kids will be able to bring like their kids to a project that I worked on in the boundary waters. Um, and just, it's really in that iconic location overlooking like, you know, Rose Lake into Canada. Um, and it's an easy trip for everyone to be able to get out there and see popular there has falls right next to it. So yeah, when I had the opportunity to bid on the project, um, I was thrilled. I was, you know, I've been looking for a project like this in the boundary waters for years. Yeah. This portage, as you stated, Willie, it's, it's an iconic, uh, through thoroughfare for many paddlers headed to the border lakes on the Eastern end of the boundary waters. And it's also a really popular day trip. Uh, it's referred to as, uh, some people call it the Rose Falls Portage uh, for the iconic Rose Falls, the Stairway Portage for the stairway that you're mentioning. So this space sees a lot of traffic. Uh, with that in mind, tell us a little bit about what you anticipate this project being like, uh, not only for yourself, but for uh, what folks will, may encounter when they're passing through and seeing your work this season. Yeah, they're really going to get uh, a window into like how how trails are constructed because I'm going to have to be constructing the large staircase is going to be deconstructed and constructed at simultaneously going on. So people are still gonna be using the portage um, unless there might be times where I might be moving a lot of stone down that I'll close it for little bits of time. But other than that, like I'm going to be keeping this open and trying to get it done. Um, early in the season, weather pending. And for anybody who doesn't know, obviously, since your your construction project, deconstruction and construction is in a designated wilderness area, you don't get to use any sort of motorized equipment, which when I imagine moving large, heavy stone, that poses a unique challenge and skill set for you as a trail builder. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, I've I've been fortunate to uh, you know be able to work with some really great people who brought uh, you know this uh, method of highline of moving stone through the air. Um, so I'm going to be you know setting up some temporary highlines right near where the staircase is going to be to be able to safely move the material. Um, you know, across the landscape without minimal damage to the landscape on top of it. Um, and it's a really effective way to move material. It's been used for long periods of time, for sure. I mean, it really, in all honesty, hasn't changed much. It's, you know, it's mechanic, you know, so it's, you know, it'd be using a grip hoist, which is kind of like a come along, but on steroids. And, you know, you can, you know, it'll be a couple ton grip hoist that will be able to pull the wire rope and lift these rocks up into the air on essentially like a, you know, essentially like a high line, which the easiest described is like a zip line for rocks, but moving it really safely down the line um, and be able to almost set these stones in place. But to even get the stones before they are be able to move down the high line, we have to go in and be able to find the stones and split them. And those techniques have been used arguably into when the pyramids were built. Um, so in really the method has went pretty unchanged, but the tricky thing here is I'm not going to be able to use a traditional like rock drill to drill in and then a set of feathers and wedges to split them. Or in some softer stones, you can actually, you know, use a, you know, a big saw to be able to cut and score through here. We're literally going to be using a rifting hammer and another hammer to hit it. So one person holds a hammer um, and another, per and they say set, another person swings with an equally weighted hammer. These are anywhere from 10 to 14 pounds, depends who's using them, and hit that hammer and then score it along a line. And over time, a lot of these little hits and vibrations going down into the rock causes the rock to split in half. And that's the best case scenario is that it go right down your line. But what you might not see is little like fissures in the rock or cracks or a different type of stone blending together. And you might not get a perfect break every time. So um, I'm really excited to be partnering with uh, the Conservation Corps of Minnesota to be working with them on teaching them these techniques, um, which is really important to me that the knowledge of this uh, stone splitting continues on. Um, and I can pass that knowledge on to, you know, other people. And I, I love working with it. This is this, you know, the type of projects that I seek out to take on. You have the logistic and technical challenging parts of this project that we're just going to make it like, it's exciting. You know, right now I'm spending my winter thinking of like, okay, do I have enough stuff? I've scouted out the location, get my equipment more purchased, looking at my past equipment. Do I need to replace anything and getting ready for the project? So as soon as ice is out, I'm ready to hit the ground running and uh, get started on it. That's a great point you bring up, Willie. So the timeline for this project uh, folks who are well soon here, once permits open up at the end of January, people are going to be booking for their trips. And when will you be out doing this project with your conservation crew? Uh, when would they expect to see you, uh, yeah. people passing through this area? 
So I plan to be in as soon as ice is out. So I'm hoping it's going to be early May that I'm able to get in there. And that's pending the winter and, and spring. Um, and then I'll be, you know, hoping that I'm going to be wrapping up before 4th of July weekend, because I know the Bounder waters are going to get busy. Um, also a little, you know, you have your little uh, insect friends that start to get a little bit more popular at that point. And, you know, we're going to be living and working in the, in the Bounder waters on this project so um, that's a plan is to be able to get it done that first part of the summer so everyone's able to you know enjoy it during the busy time that's exciting Willie uh, now you you've been doing this type of trail work uh, and like you mentioned uh, are bringing in a new style of building trail into the wilderness area now folks who would are there other trail systems other places where folks may have encountered this type of uh, stonework where they could kind of visualize what this may be like when it's complete and they're traveling through the area i know you've mentioned the superior hiking trail anything you could reference yeah. So in the Midwest, there's definitely sections of your hiking trail, you know, and they've been kind of picking up this. I've been working with them for the past few years now, and they've implemented this method in. There's spots on the North Shore. The CCC did a lot of really amazing dry stone masonry. And the tricky thing about it is, is they had their mentors, they taught, uh, they did the work so well and quality, you know, over quantity was the name back then. So like they built these beautiful quality projects that didn't really need much work. Um, recently, I've been finding myself going and doing some repairs on stuff. Um, so at Temperance River, just off, there's some repair, there's some spots that have done up there. Um, there's some old, you know, dry stone masonry stuff. I mean, bigger trail systems, you know, there's a lot of this work. The Appalachian Trail now has converted a lot of their stuff. So there's a lot of dry stone masonry going on. Um, the West Coast also, the Pacific Crest Trail has loads of dry stone masonry um, going up it. I mean, there's like 99 switchbacks going up Mount Whitney, all done out of dry stack. So, but as far as in the Midwest, you know, it's, it's the CCC work has been done. And then the state-run conservation corps did a little bit of work, but the, the skill was really lost after the CCC did it um, to the detail that they were doing it too. So it's nice to be able to bring this like skill set back. It's not a fast process. It might take a while to set something. In the setting of it, there's no mortar being used. So it's all rock on rock contact and, you know, there's, you know, the pyramids built beautifully rock on rock seam, you know, could barely even put a piece of paper in between the rocks, like the Inca Trail in South America. There's some beautiful examples around the world of the, you know, and then all throughout Europe, there's, you know, actually a walling that you can do over there, get a Waller's license, dry stacking. Um, but as far as back in the Midwest here, like, you know, I'm excited and especially in the boundary waters because the boundary waters have such rich soils and it's such a moist, wet environment during times of the year that it really rots away the wood. So the wood is like, even using like pressure treated, it's rotting quick here. Um, so a stone is just a much more sustainable option. You know, like I mentioned before, you're looking at like three times it's been replaced in 30 years. Like lumber should even last longer than that, but it can't sustain itself in the, in the environment of the boundary waters. So this is going to be here for, you know, generations. 
That's really exciting. Uh, Willie, I'm wondering if you could mention uh, what sort of relationship do you have with the wilderness as just a user and a recreator coming into this project? Yeah, uh, you know, I find I find when I'm myself, I'm in wilderness area. Like that's where I'm meant to be. You know, I I traveled around living out of my tent for about six years, building trails all over the northeast. Um, I like to immerse myself in the wilderness. Um, I enjoy the challenges that come along with working right in any sort of weather condition that is in the wilderness areas. And as much as anything, just like try to, it's fun to come into these environments, create something that's more sustainable for the environment and better for the users that just kind of blends right in. And you kind of just walk right over it. And the best work that can be done is that people can actually use it and find themselves looking around and enjoying the environment that they're in more than having to worry about the trail that they're walking on. And that's the type of experiences that I'm like trying to create with the trails. Like people aren't out there to see the trail, though the staircase is going to be pretty awesome and daunting when you're coming from the lower side, when you're coming from Rose up to Duncan, you're going to be like, oh man, that's a staircase now. <laughs> um, that's what a lot of people say, but you know, I'm excited to create something this blended right in with the actual material from that environment, which is really awesome. These rocks, I'm essentially just shifting them, cutting them in place and uh, moving them not too far because they're rocks they're heavy I mean these are several hundred pound rocks I'm not going to want to move them too far so you can't really have anything more sustainably coming from right in that area it's uh it will be really exciting Willie to follow along on this project with you uh want to thank you for talking with our listeners uh giving them a heads up on what they can expect and sharing the excitement of this sort of new horizon for the wilderness area. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, following your progress and continuing to talk with you and update folks. And I think, you know, especially down the road, maybe come uh, those late season trips, folks are going to be able to see uh, the beauty of this work in its entirety. Any last words before we wrap up today? No, I'm really thrilled. And for the people out there, just be, be, you know, be cautious as the project is going on if you're traveling through the area. Um, and I'm really excited for it to be done and for all the users to use it. But yeah, I'm thrilled to be working in the Boundary Waters on this project and with the Forest Service. Well, thank you. This is uh, Willie Bittner and it's Great Lakes Trail Builders. And we'll be seeing you out in the wilderness pretty soon here. Sounds great. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you.